Hey, you're listening to the Encounter Church podcast. To learn more about Encounter Church, visit us at ecdenver.org, or you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Thank you for listening. Uh, there's just a presence in the room, yeah? It's beautiful. Yes? I just want to increase our awareness. I, I'm, I come to you a little heavy with this message, so just bear with me. Um, but let's just, let's just posture ourselves in, in awareness to the king <laughs> real quick. So, yeah, just, Lord, we, we just love you. We're absolutely in love with you. I understand that he's omnipotent and omnipresent, but there's something... There's something about when there's a group of people aware that there's a king in the room. You're just a faithful king. You're wonderful. You're majestic. Your beauty is profound. I will give you all my worship and I will give you all my praise. You alone I long to worship. You alone are worthy of my and I will give you all my worship and i will give you all my praise and you alone i long to worship and you alone are worthy of my praise lord we just increase our awareness of you in the room, that there's a king in the room, that we're not just playing church this morning. This isn't a country club. This is your house. What a privilege to be in your house. Mm. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. As I was doing my final kind of, not cram, but I don't know a different word, I was just overcome by the beauty of what we're going to be talking about, not because of any words that I have to say, but just how beautiful he is. And I uh, found myself on my office floor weeping like a little baby. So if I lose it, bear with me, okay? If you would, silence your phones for me. If you have a phone touching you, I don't want it to vibrate and distract you. I don't want anybody moving around. We're in the house of the Lord. He's the only one that matters right now. Yes? Hello? Say yes. Okay, good. Good. We're on the same page. This message is called The Table. <laughs> yeah. 
series last, she found. <laughs> Over the last, uh, <laughs> you can't make that stuff up. <laughs> Over the last, uh, I guess, three months um, in Alabaster, or Young Adults Ministry, we've been, uh, every single time we've been gathering, we've been taking communion together. And um, the reason we're doing that is I just feel like the Lord is breathing so heavily on the meal, on, on, the, on the word communion, on the cup, on the bread, all of it. I believe that there is something that the Lord is trying to talk to me, talk to us about. In, and uh, that's what I want to talk about this morning. Uh, I feel like ever since I, I became a pastor here, uh, I've had literally one message, and it's consistency stewards intimacy. Consistency stewards intimacy. And um, I just want to invite us into that this morning. Is that cool? Yes? Okay, good, good. Even if it wasn't okay, it's what's going to happen? But before I move on, I, as we were worshiping, I... I, uh, I saw a picture, and I don't usually do this, so um, I saw a picture of, a, of an exchanging of compasses, and I believe that somebody in the room, uh, not online, somebody in the room, uh, he's, he's realigning your north, um, and that he's going to realign that you get back looking at him instead of looking everywhere else. Um, and I had a word at first service, and it actually landed, so that was... That was Look at me. But I, I believe that that is truly for somebody in the room, that uh, he is exchanging the compass that you've been using. And it's beyond a moral compass or anything like that. It's truly where you're headed, um, that he's, he's exchanging compasses so that you, uh, you're properly aligned. Um, if that's for you, we'll have a ministry time at the end, and I'd love to pray over you. But we're talking about the table this morning. And um, I want to invite you into the intimacy of the table. I've had, uh, I, I guess me and Madison kind of had the privilege this, this weekend to, to not only host a couple at our house uh, for dinner, but also be a guest at somebody ho- somebody's home um, uh, for, for a meal and just to have conversation. And I, I kind of forgot, and frankly, because this has been on my brain, it's just like I'm, I've just been super thankful for both of those moments of just like, what a privilege it is to be invited into somebody's home, right? Like, I feel like so often it's just like, oh, of course they invited me over. I am important. I, of course they want to hang out with me, you know? All of these kinds of things sometimes linger, and, but to invite somebody over to your home is, is intimate, right? It's vulnerable, you know, almost to the, almost to the extreme of if these walls could talk, what would they say, Right? There's, there's things that happen in my house. There's conversations that happen in my house that only a select few are invited into. No, not everybody in this room is going to be invited to my house because there's only a select few that I invite over for a meal to dine with and to host and say, I just want to be around you, right? And even to the extent of like, Oh, this is their this is their view of clean, you know, kind of thing, right? <laughs> it's it's intimate. It, it, it's vulnerable. It's 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 raw. The table is a raw thing, and I want to I want to bring something that we I believe that the church at large has 
gotten very numb to. I want to talk about communion this, this morning. We've become just so numb to it. It's just like a religious checkbox, I feel like. And um, I believe that, again, if, if you hang on to what I believe that the Lord has placed on my heart, I believe that we'll never, as a community, as a congregation, as a church, whatever you want to call us, we'll never take communion the same way ever again. I want to add a reverence and just a awe to it. I'm not really here to teach you much. (laughs) I'm not. What I'm here is to almost give you an awe and a wonder of who our king is and what a privilege it is to be invited to his table. Because whether we understand it or not, you coming to this building and coming to church this morning, you have seated at his table, right? Do you understand that? Yeah, maybe there's not a true table in front of you and, and a, whatever it might be in front of you and all of that kind of stuff, but there is a table that he's set where he, Emmanuel, God with us, has said, I'm going to come and I'm going to dwell with you. Yes? We are sitting at the table of the Lord this morning, whether we like it or not. Yes? And I want to talk about four different tables um, this, this, uh, this morning. Um, but like I was saying, we had, we had a, a time with two different couples this, this weekend to host and be hosted. And I forgot just how much of an honor both are. You know, it's just such an honor to be, one, invited into somebody's home, and for them to cook you a meal, it's just like, wow, that means a lot. And it's also like, what an honor to host somebody and cook a meal for them and just roll out a a metaphorical red carpet for those those people, right? And I, I, I believe that I believe that if we truly understand the beauty and revelation of the meal and of the table this morning, it'll begin, begin a relationship in us that is in right standing with the king. Yes? Because through this meal, we only see Jesus. And frankly, for this entire year, I haven't read anything else in scripture but the gospels. I have read the red so many times this year that I just, I'm trying to soak up Jesus as my theology 100%. I don't want anything else, right? All right, I know that's scary, but I just want Jesus, okay? I just want him. That's all I've read this year. I just want Jesus. And I want to invite you into that Jesus is the solution for all things. Sometimes I feel like us Pentecostals hang on prophetic more than we hang on Jesus, Hello? Why? We need to hang on to Jesus. Because I could make a YouTube channel this evening and say I've got a prophetic word. Right? I could do that. I could. What's stopping me? We need to get back to Jesus. And I believe at the meal, at the table, it's Jesus in its entirety. And I'll tell you why. So I've got four tables. The first one. Again, like I was saying, when you're invited to dinner, it's intimate. You're allowing people into your home. It's intimate. It is family. Yes? 
There's conversations that you'll have at your dinner table that you won't have in a coffee shop. Right? If you're wise. Just joking. I was making sure you're still listening. Right? There's conversations that me and Madison have at our dinner table that I don't want you guys being any part of. I know. I don't want you guys being any part of it. Why? Because it's secret and it's intimate and it's for us. It's hidden. Yes? Not everything is just to be portrayed on a, on a billboard. But when I think of tables, I think of Solomon's table. In 1 Kings uh, chapter 10, verses 1 through 13, you don't need to ch- uh, um, turn there just because I'm not going to really read it. I'm just going to kind of uh, paint a picture for you. I think of Solomon's table, and in this story, there's this, uh, this lady by the name of uh, the Queen of Sheba. Anybody know this story? If you don't, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the best summary that I know how. She travels over to uh, Solomon's house to, to take it in. She's heard some crazy things about how beautiful this house is. Yes, how gorgeous this house is. And she shows up and says, whoa, this is what they've been talking about, right? This is amazing. She take, takes a step back essentially and says, wow, okay? What does she see that is so amazing? Well, I'm glad that you asked. <laughs> She saw Solomon's wisdom, and that was the first level of awe that hit her, yes? And then she started looking around. She started looking around at the beauty and the craftsmanship of the actual house, right? And somebody who's in construction and, and remodel, you know, there's something that, that things stand out. It's just like, whoa, that is, yeah, that millwork guy, he was on point that day, right? Right? All of these kinds of different things, and if you're in the trades, you totally get what I mean, Right? She saw the seating of his officials, how beautiful the attendance of his servants in their clothing. This is crazy, right? The cupbearers, their burnt, his burnt offerings that he was giving to the Lord. And obviously what we're talking about, the Queen of Sheba saw the table and the food. And after seeing all of these things, she said... My translation, whoa, there's a God. Whoa, there is a God. What did she see? What, how was that table set? What did that food look like? I've had some cool meals. <laughs> but I was like, I want that in my belly. I'm not thinking about the Lord. I'm sorry. <laughs> right? What did she see? She said, blessed is your God for the way you have handled your affairs. Oh, right? Isn't that gorgeous? Isn't that amazing? So that's the first table. She was struck by awe of the way things were just, the servants were taken care of, the way things were being hosted, and the way the meal was set out in front of. Yes? The second table it's kind of similar, um, but not as, not as detailed. It is the parable of the man with the banquet. Just remember this one? Where he invites a bunch of guests, and uh, they all give him an excuse and stuff. And they're like, oh, no, we can't make it. Yeah? 
Okay, so there was this man, this parable that Jesus gave. There was this man who, uh, who had invited guests uh, to come to his home. And the, he sent his servants out to go, hey, say, all right, hey, dinner's ready. Dinner's ready, right? Anybody remember that? The, some of you guys had the bell. It was like ding, 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 right? My mom just yelled. I said, dinner! Right? But it was, hey, dinner's ready. Dinner's ready. And as the servants went around from house to house and, and, and place to place, all of the people who were invited said, no, I, 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 I can't. Right? Which is kind of jacked up because they RSVP'd initially or else they wouldn't have come the second time or, or else the second invitation wouldn't have hit. Yes? If any of you have had a wedding and guests didn't show up that RSVP'd, it's just like, hmm, I paid for that plate. But they made excuses of like, oh, I just bought some land. I need to tend to it. My livestock needs attending to. My work. And the last one was, I just got married. I can't make it. Right? Which seems like a pretty valid excuse, but I guess not to this guy. Are you getting this? He had a table set up. And then from there, from there, they all made excuses, and then he sent out his servants again and said, we've got to get this table full. Dinner's hot. Dinner's ready. We've got to go. I've got to have somebody dine with me. So he sends his servants out and says, go find whoever you can. Go find whoever you can. And they come back. Some people say, great, I'm, I'm down for a free meal. This sounds nice. Sounds wonderful. But then the, the, the man says, oh, are there still seats that are not accounted for? So they, he sends his servants out again. Yes? And gets all of the seats filled. He gets all of the seats filled. And obviously this parable is a grander picture of the Jewish people not hearing the beckoning call of the Messiah's love. Yes. But it's a beautiful picture of the table. Of a man who wants people to be at his table. Yes. He's excited for the people to be at the table. To be with him. To dine with him. And culturally back then, it was, it was normal and, and um, expected that you would send out two invites. One, to say, hey, this is coming, like a save the date. And two, here we go. Yes? So a good king does the same exact thing. I've prepared a table for you. I've got a table for you. And I'm excited for you to be with me. Yes? Then there's the third table that I want to talk about. The third table is, and maybe you have a picture of a table in, in your even life of that. It was just like cozy. It was family. It was beautiful. It was wonderful. All of this kind of stuff. The third table that I think of is my grandma Maddie's Thanksgiving Day table. Wonderful, wonderful lady. And she held back no stops. She was pretty bougie. She had many fur coats. And she didn't hold back on Thanksgiving Day. And I remember the excitement and the expectation of me walking up to that front door of Grandma Maddie and GP's house, right? I would, I would get so excited. And you, you open that wooden door and this smell, this aroma hits your face and you're just like, God's good, right? 
It's like, I can't wait. I can't wait. There's an expectation because she was also a masterful cook. You know, she could cook the doors off the place. It was so good. So, so good. But I remember sitting down at that table. Well, before that, I remember walking around the table and just looking at it. She would always deck it out, right? Always deck it out. She had so much fun. But the thing that was so cool was that she would handwrite every single person's name on a little name card. Isn't that cute? But it's also beautiful because she was equally as expectant of me being there as I had expectation of being there. She was like, I can't wait for my grandson Lex to come sit and eat this meal that I've been slaving over all day. Because my grandma Maddie wouldn't let anybody help her cook. Right? She wanted to be the host and the servant. Right? Other, other uh, Thanksgiving kind of stuff uh, that I've been a part of uh, now that my uh, parents and others have hosted it after her passing, it's all been potluck. It's like, well, you bring the mashed potatoes and you bring this and you bring that. And it was my grandma Maddie portrayed to me this beautiful revelation of being host and servant at the same time. Because again, she didn't take any help. Right? And she, if you tried to help, it was not pretty. Right? She'd kick you out of the kitchen. And she was she was a short little lady, but she was fiery. <laughs> it was the first time I saw host and servant in my life. And frankly, then I would come up to the table, dinner's dinner's ready, dinner's ready, kind of thing. You'd sit down at this table and it was just gorgeous. It was one of those things that you never wanted to leave. You felt safe. It was with family. It was intimate. It was beautiful. Anybody have a table similar to this that's just like, I just want to become one with this chair, right? I don't ever want to get up. It was, it's because it's safe. And frankly, because you had a really, really good meal and you were satisfied. Yes? And you were like, oh, I'm too full to move. Yeah. Same thing goes, and we'll get into this in a second. Same thing goes with the Lord. He wants you too full to not be able to move. This is, the, again, the first time I saw someone be the host and the servant and prepare the meal in front of us. Then we come to the fourth table. And as, as you probably guessed, it's the last supper table. Yes? You're like, oh, I, I read his mind. The last supper table. This was probably the least bougie table of them all. Right? You think of Solomon's table, that thing was decked out. Down to, down to it all, right? Everything was thought of. It was decked out. It was beautiful, right? You think, the, think of the man in the parable? It was decked out. He was expectant of people coming. Yes? Yes? Okay. You think of my grandma Maddie's table? It was like decked out. Again, she, she did not hold back. She did not hold back with money. But this table that Jesus 
was sitting at with his 12 was probably very, very simple. Not bougie, very simple. And it probably, it probably looks like this. This was the meal. Simple. But he knew that every person who was at that table was going to be satisfied. There was no servants around this table. He was the servant. And frankly, it was an invite only. He wanted those specific people at the table. Only them. Which means, what's that mean for us? He's inviting us specifically to the table. And at this table, we see the host, the servant, and the meal all being one person. Did you hear me? The host, the servant, and the meal are all one person, Jesus. And there's beauty in this, and Bree and Aaron, if you guys would. And there's a lot of beauty in this because I want to kind of map these out, host, servant, and meal. And from a host perspective, Jesus was so excited. It even says in Luke that I earnestly desire for you to come dine with me, he says. Are you hearing that? Did you actually hear that? Jesus is earnestly desiring to, for us to come to the table. For us to say, I can't wait to have a seat. I can't wait to be with them. I can't wait. Earnestly desiring? Man, I don't even know if I've ever felt that way. Like, I'm earnestly desiring. He was so excited for us to come and dwell. So that's the host perspective, the servant perspective. When everyone was finally seated at this table, all 13, Jesus included, he got up, grabbed a bowl of water, a towel, got on his hands and knees and started washing feet. A servant. Remember, Peter had issue with it. He was like, whoa, 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 dude. You're not washing my feet. I need to be washing your feet. You're the Christ. You're the king. You're the most honored person at the table. Right? But Peter had an issue with it, and Jesus was like, it's best that I do this for you. You'll be happy that I do this for you because you're going to do it in the future. This is what I'm inviting you into. Peter, the rock of my church. This is what I'm inviting you into as being a servant. Right? And again, there's no other servants around. Jesus didn't hire a bunch of butlers and stuff, right? He didn't call down angels and say, hey, we got to get some, get some things going on here. He was the servant, not only in just the sense of washing feet, but he was the one. He didn't pass the bread around like we do at a Thanksgiving day or Christmas table. He was the one who took it and passed it out and served. He was the one who poured and poured and poured and poured. 
He's the servant. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus fulfilled that role for this evening or for that evening. And then the meal. And ushers, if you would serve the elements, that would be wonderful. Then the meal, which you guys know, it's, it's bread and drink, yes? It's bread and drink. I'll let elements be passed and we'll keep on going. Once he finished washing all of the feet, he then started serving the meal out. The wine, yes? The wine, which symbolizes his blood. Of course, we know that, right? We've done it enough. It symbolizes his blood. Why is it so profound? Well, I'll get to that in a second. But wine takes time, yeah? You can't just all of a sudden zap and wham, I've got wine, right? There's some pressing and crushing that goes into it. It takes time. Consistency stewards intimacy. Yes? The blood speaks a better word. Yes? All of this speaks of his blood, speaks of the wine that he is serving to us. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing because it takes time. At least good wine does, right? He says, drink of me and you'll never thirst again. <laughs> yes? And then the bread speaks of his body, yes? Speaks of his beautiful, beautiful body. John 6, he says that I am the bread of life. If you have a question, I'm the answer. Hello? If you have a question, I'm the answer. I mean, we're doing some weird things to get answers. <laughs> some of you are doing weird things to get some answers. Throw the crystals away, throw the oil away, that weird oil, just get to Jesus. Yes, we need to get back to who he is, that it's his body, his body. If you have a question, here's the answer. Eat of me and you'll never be hungry again. Drink of me and you'll never be thirsty again, ever, ever. Some of you are like, well, I like to eat, dude, right? I, I, I like food, I do too, but this is talking spiritually right? Because we're searching high and low, right? So often we're searching high and low. We're, we're going to CNN and Fox News for more answers than we're going to Jesus. Hello? Like, what are we doing? Have we lost that much faith? Remember, if we have a question, he's the answer. If we're in lack, he's the answer. Sometimes we're the problem, but we won't talk about that. <laughs> he's the answer, Every single time, 
or else he's not Messiah. If he doesn't cover everything and if he doesn't answer everything, then he's the lunatic and we've drank a weird Kool-Aid this morning. Hello? At the end of the day, everything is found in him. And I think oftentimes when we come to this table, when we come to this meal, we lose sight of him for the sake of a religious experience. We lose sight of him in the sake of, oh, everybody else is doing it, so I guess I should. And not pausing enough and saying, whoa, whoa, this king, this king has invited me to dine with him. Oh man, he's invited me to dine with him. What a privilege. We're spoiled rotten. No other God does that. No other God does that. John 6, 53, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh and drink the blood of the Son of Man, you have no life. You have no life. There's nothing in you. You've fooled yourself. If you're looking for other things, for hope, throw it out and look at him again, please. Please imagine what this place would be like. Imagine what our worship would sound like. Imagine the incense that would blow the roof off of this building. Come on, dude. Are you getting me? Like this is a three-story building and it would blow the roof off if we came corporately and said, whoa, behold the Lamb of God who spilled out his blood and broke his body for me. He invited me to the table. Me as a broken, broken man. He invited me to the table. Come on. We're just like, well, here's my little cracker. Okay, good. Oh, it tasted bad. What? Don't talk about my king that way. Oh, that grape juice has been in there too long. What? You're sitting at the table with the king. You're talking about the king's body and blood. Are we so far gone? talking about his body that he broke and poured out. I can't imagine saying that to somebody who invited me over for dinner and saying, this meal sucks. I can't even imagine. But I've thought it. I was like, oh man, that grape juice was sour that I just took in. I'm human too. Oh, what am I doing? What have I done? What did I just say about the king who poured out that blood for me? He said, do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. 
in practical, and I guess, how do I say this? How do I say it better? In practicality, when you have somebody over for a meal, the first thing that you offer them is a drink. Yeah, it's proper etiquette. Proper etiquette to offer somebody a drink, right? Say, hey, what would you like to drink? Would you like water? Would you like Dr. Pepper? Would you like a glass of wine? What would you like? Yes, proper etiquette. It's sweet. It means I'm glad that you're here, right? So here we go. I'm glad that you're here. I want you to remain. I made this meal for you. It's almost ready. I'm glad that you're here, right? Usually the second thing that comes out is if you're at a restaurant, like, uh, you know, a a, a nicer restaurant, um, they bring out bread, right? How many of us have had really, really good bread? Like good, good, good bread, yeah? I guarantee the meal was better, right? Because the bread is a precursor of what is to come. Did you hear me? The bread is a precursor for what is to come, for what the rest of the meal is going to treat you in, right? Oh, isn't that cool, right? So they bring out bread and some restaurants will bring it out all sliced up and right, all of that. Or they'll bring out individual rolls and you'll take your roll and whatever it is. At this meal of Jesus's, it was this, why? Because he was the host and the server, yeah? So uh, obviously it was matzah back then, but you know, this looks cooler. Um, So the way Jesus presented this was having this on the table, okay? And then when it was time to serve it, It wasn't like a full-on break that we're used to, like tearing in half. It was this. Here you go, Peter. Here you go. It was broken off pieces, not a full-on split, you know? I think sometimes we, we think, oh man, he just tore the bread in half and that's what he meant by breaking the bread. No, he broke it off in pieces and said, here you go. This is specifically for you. Don't reach too far because I'm coming to you. I don't, want you to be, I don't want you to lift a finger, Jesus said. I'm, I'm coming to deliver this to you. Yes? Because of how beautiful of a servant that he is. So then after you have some bread, right? You've been sipping on your drink, whatever it might be, and it's gone lower, yes? And what usually happens is the host will say, Oh, let me, let me top you off. Or what, would, what else would you like to drink? Yes? So they would fill it up again, right? And for sake of, uh, they told me I couldn't drink this, so. Nope. So they would fill it up again, yeah? Which means, I'm glad you're here. <laughs> Continue to dine with me, right? You'll, you'll see at restaurants that they usually, right after your meal, they ask you what you want to drink again in hopes maybe that you'll get some dessert, right? Now you're gonna be paying attention, right? Because they want you to stay. They want you to stay. They want you to be in their midst. They want you to stay, yes? They want you to remain. A good host usually wants his guests to remain. Hello? A good host 
loves to remain with the guests because why? I have earnestly desired for you to be with me. I've earnestly desired for you to be at the table with me. I am, I am privileged that you're at my table. What? You're privileged to have me at your table? Yeah, I'm so happy you're here. But there's this other side of, David kind of unlocked something. You're like, David, I thought we were talking about. Yeah, David unlocked something. What did he unlock? My cup runneth over. He said this, my cup runneth over. What's this signify? It signifies this. I never want you to leave. I, I don't want you to leave. Stay, remain. I'm so happy that you're here. I, I just want you to stay. Never leave, never, never, never leave. Because how many of you could walk and move with a cup that that's, is that full? You can't. Hello? You can't. You can't move. Why? Because your cup is running over, dude. He wants you to stay. He wants you to remain. Intimacy. He wants it. You can't walk far. If you try, guess what? You're going to start spilling. Uh-oh. You're going to start spilling more and spilling more and spilling more. And we walk back into the shadows and we left the table. where he wants us to remain and stay. My cup overfloweth. My cup overfloweth. Lord, would you unleash this reality over us? Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh and drink the blood of the Son of Man, you have no life. In him, all things consist and it all comes back to the meal to the table to him every single time it comes back to him so if you would take your bread out you've got everybody's been served yes take your bread out and I want you, as we bite this together, it's gonna crunch between our teeth. That's his body. Remember, that's his body being broken for us. And what a privilege and what an invitation that he's given us. So Lord, thank you for your body that you broke, that you gave that your work wasn't just the cross, but it was your entire life that you gave for me, for us. Thank you for your broken body. When you're ready, go ahead and eat.
Do this in remembrance of me, he says. Pull out your, your juice. The beauty of it is that he poured out his blood as the Lamb of God who was slain. I, I, I did some uh, missions work in, a, in, a, in the Middle East and I, uh, I got to be a part of a, a lamb being sacrificed. And I won't be too graphic, so. But it was the most... <laughs> It's the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Because that thing didn't flinch. It didn't squeal. It didn't make a peep. It understood what it was purposed to do. Jesus understood what he was purposed to do. And it was to pour out his blood for atonement and for covering of us. Do you understand that when the Father sees us, he sees us through rose-tinted glasses, through the blood of his Son? Isn't that beautiful? Isn't it gorgeous that the Father sees us with a red hue because we're washed in his blood? And I know that that sounds weird. I get it. But man, what a privilege. <laughs> and what a privilege because I came out, I came out righteous, I came out blameless, I came out on the other side ready to serve him. Yes? So when you drink of this blood, understand that the lamb understood what he was doing and that he said, I see you and I want you. Even down to when they took that spear and hit him in the side, what flowed out? Blood and water. I see you. It's talking of the new covenant that we're welcomed into. It's talking about marriage. It's talking about beauty. It's talking about Jesus understanding, laying down his life for me. So when you take that little sip, remember, he did it for you. When you're ready, and just keep your vials next to you. We're not going to pass a bucket for trash or anything. We're just not going to disrupt this moment right now. Just stay put. But he says this, do this in remembrance of me. What do we remember? What do we need to remember when we're doing this? Well, I guess it means do not do this willy-nilly. Don't do this nonchalantly. Don't do this if you are in habitual sin, willing habitual sin. Don't do this. All of these things, don't do this. What it does mean, do this as family. Do this understanding where you sit at the table because you are at the table. 
do this reflecting on the testimonies that we've shared together. Isn't that cool? Oh, it's beautiful. Do this in remembering my smile over you. Do this in remembering my goodness. Do this in remembering what a privilege it is to be at the table. Do this and remember the prophetic that was unleashed about Jesus. Do this in remembrance of beholding the Lamb. Just like John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God is here. Do this and honor the King. Do this and look at what his blood has done. Do this and remember his provision. Do this and remember his healing. Do this and remember his majesty, his mystery, his beauty, his faithfulness, his love. Do this and remember his life. Jesus is the host, the servant, and the meal. The first time in history that's ever been done. He's the host, the servant, and the meal. Nobody else can do that for you. Without being really culty. You don't want anything to do with that juju, right? Like, come on, guys, he's the host. He's excited for you to dine with him. He's the servant. He pulls out all the stops. Won't let you lift a finger. And he's the meal. Pouring out all of his blood. Pouring out his entire body. So that we could walk in unity with him again. Could. So that we should so that we would. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Do this in remembrance of me. feel like I'm supposed to stop talking for a second. I'm just gonna let Bree linger and let Holy Spirit just do his work. So Holy Spirit, come.
Consistency stewards intimacy. He said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh and drink my blood, you have no life. When he said this, people were very troubled. People were very, very troubled. People started fleeing and saying, I don't know about this guy. Right? Your words are harsh. That's extreme, Jesus. That's radical. And he looks at his disciples as people are leaving him. And he says, are you guys gonna go too? Right after this phrase. And good thing Peter spoke up and said, no, you are what we've been seeking. You're the one. You're the Christ. How could I go anywhere else? He's dined. He's been at the table. He understands who his king is. His cup overfloweth. He can't go. How many of us are that intoxicated that we can't go? We're so captivated by him that we can't leave. I don't know where else to go. I've hungered for many, many things, but this is the best meal I've ever had. I never want to leave this table. I never want to leave the presence of my king. I never want to go. That needs to be our heart cry. Morning, noon, night. Morning, noon, night. All of the time, it has to be our heart cry. Where else would I go? You have the words of eternal life.
do this in remembrance of me. So my invitation for this week is after you leave this place or tomorrow, whatever you need to do, go get some juice, go get some bread. What I've learned is matzah lasts longer. So get matzah, okay? Go get juice, go get bread, get it in your home and dine with him. In the morning, at lunch, at dinner, Do this and remember me. That's my invitation this morning. We're gonna end a little bit differently than we usually do. It's gonna look something like this. If you're in ministry, uh, uh, ministry leaders, pastors, if you would come to the front for me. I just wanna set the table for the Lord. He set a wonderful table for us this morning. What a privilege. What a privilege it is to be with him. Now, I just want him to feel welcome and cozy and be able to breathe on us. So if you feel just a wooing from the Holy Spirit, you don't know why, I want you to come up to the front and get prayer. <laughs> That's it, okay? Nothing, nothing more, nothing less. I believe Holy Spirit is doing a work in the room right now. And there's intimacy to be birthed right now. So Lord, we love you. We honor you. Thank you for being the best host, the best servant, and the best meal we could ever have. May we never leave. Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Encounter Church, visit ecdenver.org or find us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram.